cliffcentral.com. Thanks for joining us and welcome to our first in a series of What Now webinars. Now, <laughs> when we all did our 2020 strategies, I have no doubt that any of us would have put pandemic down there as a possible threat because you're all such good planners, right? Yet here we are almost halfway through the year and there are global lockdowns, extraordinary changes in our lives. We're spending more time indoors and consuming media differently and there are many confusing messages. Now, how exactly this will change the way in which brands communicate, we're not entirely sure. How has the media landscape changed? We don't know that answer either. But luckily, I have two people with me today who will help us to get halfway to those answers and maybe a little bit further. Joining me today, Reg Lascaris, who's an advertising legend extraordinaire and an author. Reg is also the co-founder of TBWA Hunt Lascaris, which today is South Africa's biggest marketing and communications group. And I'm also joined by a friend of Cliff Central, someone who's been with us since the beginning of our journey to Timothy Maurice, who's the host of the Brain and Brand show on cliffcentral.com, exploring the psychology of brain influence. And he himself is also a best-selling author. So if everybody's on board and we're all ready to go, I can see a Huge list of attendees that have joined us for this morning and or this afternoon. By the way, we chose to do this at 12 o'clock because it is so far the coldest day of the year. And we thought we'd just give you a couple of hours to warm up before we got cracking. So I think we'll start, Reg, if you don't mind with you. You've done, um, you've done a lot of research into what precisely is going on. Has the media landscape changed or are we overreacting? I think the, the media landscape has changed. In fact, consumption of all general media has gone up dramatically. In fact, 35% up. But there's some losers and there's some winners. So on the losing side, cinema lost yeah. out completely. I mean, it's all shut down. Outdoor to a certain extent, but that might pick up a little more now with uh, more movement. And, of course, print, uh, hard print. Magazines, as you know, Caxton shut down their magazines. Cosmo's gone. A lot of newspapers are declining dramatically. Network TV, that's gone down as well because there's no sport. And a lot of people watch network yeah. TV for sport. But again, it's uh, held about it's about 20% down. A lot of people have, uh, where ET, ENCA News has gone up because people watch the news. Um, but I heard the other day that someone's trying to resurrect drive-ins, which is fascinating. And someone's launching the Mother City drive-in. That'll be fascinating. But the winners, of course, are the streaming services, uh, anything online, um, podcasts, webinars. Here we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are lots of sponsorship opportunities and, uh, in that space. So, yeah, media has winners and losers. Overall, the consumption has gone up there. And, Timothy, this really relates to behavior, and that's your area of specialization. I mean, how has this pandemic impacted on everybody's I, collective I can't psychology? Hear, um, I can't hear Gareth. You, you can't hear me? Hang on a second. Let me just try this. Timothy, can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yes. Okay, Reg, you can hear me as well. And I hope yeah, everyone else can. So, Timothy, I was asking uh, once Reg had given us a, a basic idea of how the landscape in media has changed. Obviously, this is because our behavior has changed. And I think many people are curious to know how this pandemic has affected our collective psychology and what's happening to us as a result. Yeah, this this is a moment for for behavioral science. I mean, ever since sort of Richard Thaler, who wrote co-wrote Nudge, and Daniel Kahneman came on the scene with helping really helping us understand just how 
um, the fact that we are not rational human beings, that we are overwhelmed with stimuli and the majority of our process that happens on an unconscious level. So we've entered a sort of VUCA moment, as you know, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous space in history where human beings are basically at this at sort of this moment where we are overwhelmed in kind of this emotional sort of need to feel safe, to feel stress relief. And if you're going to connect to people, you're going to have to make them feel like your brand is a refuge, that you care about them on a, on a much deeper level. So there is an opportunity in this moment to really sort of bond and connect with brands on an emotional level. One of the things, because the content, because content has, you know, the digestion of content has gone up so dramatically, as Reg said, one of the things we're facing is this sort of being choked by algorithms. And what that fundamentally means is that because algorithms are largely designed to keep people bonded to whatever platform you are viewing on, that the algorithms are using emotional levers. And so a lot of people are, in fact, the majority of the people are in these kind of emotional hot states where mm -hmm. they are filtering out a lot of logic and rationale and they are aroused to a point where they are physically wanting things that are linking to that kind of primitive needs, the basic sort of needs to feel safe, to feel like, you know, they belong somewhere. They feel like they're part of a community. And so being able to market to those fundamental emotional needs is going to be a key dynamic right now. And obviously the, the big problem for a lot of brands is that they can't just hard sell you stuff and they can't be pushing product. It would feel, first of all, insensitive and probably irrelevant, right, Reg? Yeah, you know, I think I think there's going to be um, a, a lower overall demand on products full stop. And I think that's going to continue for about 18 to 20, 24 months. There's less money around and people, funny enough, have got used to spending less. I don't know when the last time you checked your credit card was, mm. but I'm sure you've spent a hell of a lot less. Yeah. So the big trick, trick now is to try and create demand. And you can only do that through innovation. In other words, what you've got to do is wake up the consumer again. You've got to have new product launches, exciting events. Um, I mean, a classic example is Mattel, the toy maker, who all their toys were going nowhere. And then they reinvented and they came up with a series of heroes, the thank you heroes, doctors, nurses. And all of a sudden, those toys just took off. Uh, and the local guys come up with a very nice innovation called I'm local. So when you can travel again, you've got your I'm local card, which means you get a discount. You're not mixed up with a foreigner. So a lot of innovation has got to happen. Also, safer products will do well, like SnapScan, because you don't have to touch the card. Um, and people are going to have to have a lot of incentives to go back and shop. Um, so I think that's one of the uh, things that are happening right now. So, yeah. Um, Wesley asks, shouldn't we all just spend more so that the economy can climb up again? But, Wesley, we don't have any money to spend. So <laughs> that, that one's pretty easy to answer. But the reality is, Reg, a lot of companies are, are just shutting down in terms of, of their communications at the moment because they don't know what to do. So they're either frozen in fear or they are, they're nervous about what to do in case they do something wrong. Um, there are many companies who have gone, in, in the interview you and I had last time, dark. Uh, you mentioned that as a strategy. That's not a very good strategy for anyone who's trying to reach an audience. 
No, I don't think so, because if you go dark now, and you've been dark for a couple of months, and funny enough, Coca-Cola is one of the companies that went dark, which is surprising, because normally they carry on doing uh, all the time branding, 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 but they've gone dark. But there's going to be less competition around anyway, because a lot of uh, companies like Hertz have shut down, Edgar's have shut down, uh, some wine brands, I think you'll see fewer wine brands around. Um, and the e the e-tailers will have done much better, uh, and retailers less well because they've also been shut down. So it's going to be huge competition, but people are going to get more and more used to shopping online, and that's not going to change. So, so sorry, before we we move on, I mean, Timothy, how how does um, the behavior of people and the tips that we can incorporate into our daily lives to boost our ability to be productive and creative factor into this. I mean, people are not. Uh, People are not going to change fundamentally. Their behavior may change, but their desires to, you know, live a certain way, to buy certain products, are those completely extinguished? I can't imagine they just go out of the window because of COVID-19. No, in fact, I just, our podcast that we just launched today with is with a MIT neuroscientist, Dr. Tara Swart. I encourage people to go on and listen to that because she spoke about how people are kind of locking into micro habits where mm-hmm. they're looking for small incremental changes. I mean, you just don't have the kind of cognitive, you know, resources, you know, with so much stress and being overwhelmed to be able to take on large goals and large challenges right now. So if you can help facilitate small incremental changes, little things in the home, if you can get people to think about, for example, uh, like she mentioned sleeping 30 minutes extra instead of taking on these really large kind of broad challenges um, small incremental changes. And, and I think if brands are really smart, they're going to look at helping f- people facilitate it, partnering with people uh, instead of trying to force things down people's throats. And that kind of, you know, kind of, co- you know, collaborative mindset in terms of communication is going to be really important. So Reg, I know you've done a lot of research here and, and you're looking at how the marketing trends going forward might be approached. I mean, what, what kinds of strategy changes are we talking about? Well, I think the consumer experience, as Timothy mentioned earlier on, is, is so, so important. You've got to get closer to the consumer. You've got to improve your relationship with the consumer. You've got to relate to your consumer, not dictate to your consumer. Um, everything online has got to be high quality, a lot more visuals. Um, your marketing strategy is going to change completely. It's not a case of a map anymore. It's a compass. So you've got to be much more agile because you're going to chop and change as you go along. You'll get to the same goal, hopefully, but you'll chop and change. And I think the one thing we have to do now is go back to consumer and find out what they're thinking because we don't really know. Um, it's time to get back and find, get some new insights and chat to the consumer and take their temperature. Well, here's a question for you, Reg, that Pumi's just sent. Um, is it time for the small yeah. guys to sneak up on the market? Without the legacy of big corporate infrastructure, they could make the kinds of moves, the agile moves that you were just talking about. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's right. I think anybody who, who wants to be innovative now, it's a great time for innovation because you've got to wake the consumer up. You've got to make them excited again. They've actually got used to spending less. <laughs> so you've got to get them to spend again. But things like value deals uh, to stimulate interest, especially in the travel industry, because, you know, you're not going to stick to your air miles anymore. You're going to look for the best deal. Yeah. So you need incentives to come back into the market. 
Now, what did both of you think of those very boring, blancmange, uninteresting messages about stay safe, stay home? Do you think that that's helped any brands at all? Do you think that people have responded well to that? I think in the early stages, um, people were quite responsive to it in terms of just, again, remember, we're in a state where people, in, you know, if you look at the kind of the, the trajectory of what this lockdown has done, in in the very early state, people just were so unsure. There were just so so much ambiguity. People had no clue. And so at that stage, people wanted to champion that message of staying safe. Um, and But I want to just comment on what Reg's point. I think there's an opportunity right now to complement what he's saying in that there are there's the ability to prime people's behavior right now. Oftentimes, people will speak from their logic and tell you that I want this, but unconsciously, you've got to know that, you know, if you had asked people, do they want, if Steve Jobs had asked people, do they want a screen without a keyboard, they would have said no. Um, in fact, most people did say no. If you ask people, do you want a small can of disgusting tasting drink like a Red Bull, people would say no. But unconsciously, you've got to understand that that the counterintuitive thinking right now that we need to approach is this, that Roy Sutherland, uh, VP at um, Ogilvy in uh, the UK, speaks about the fact that, you know, the human, the human experience largely filters out most logic uh, because it just overwhelms us. And so look, look, look in the case of Red Bull, what happened is that the small can and the bad taste suggested that it had to be really potent, that it was it had a big, huge benefit because it tasted medicinal. And mm. so, you know, when you're thinking about strategy right now, you've got to go, you got to strike this balance. What Reg is saying is getting some new insights, but also just understand that from a behavioral perspective, people are are gripped in ambiguity. They're gripped in fear. And so you can prime people by sharing images that show safety, sharing images that show community. And you can send that. um, If you have a video, for example, you end the video or start your video uh, with images like this that really will trigger. And I've started to employ a lot of this with my podcast and I've seen extraordinary growth uh, by using these sort of priming techniques. Reg, what do you think of that? No, I think I think Timothy's right. Uh, but I think the stay safe, uh, stay at home stuff is worn out a little bit because every brand jumped onto that bandwagon. If right. I was a brand now, I would be just pushing my product, but pushing it in, the, in an emotional and fun way. People need to smile again. They need to laugh again. And I think yeah. the use of emotion in communicating now is essential. Well, Candace says, Candace Hemingway says, how do you balance your marketing messaging between, yes, there is a pandemic and come and buy from me without sounding lame or obviously insensitive? So that's precisely what you've just addressed now. And you say a little bit of humor would go a long way. I think it would go a long way because I think people need to lighten up. People have seen so much stuff on COVID. uh, And I guess we all understand what we're supposed to do. Obviously, there'll be less of it going forward. But I think if you can entertain if you can connect, if you can make people smile again. It's the old story. If they like your ad, they're going to like your product in many ways. So just make them like you again. 
Yeah. Uh, what about the, the nature of actual advertising? We know, Reg, that for a long time, advertising has given way to content. And we're, we're aware now of just how much of an important role content plays in people's lives. I can I can tell you that having looked at the cliffcentral.com figures over the last six to eight weeks, we've seen a doubling in our audience. There is a huge hunger for that. How much of that, that desire for this content is driven by the fact that people don't trust traditional media as much? And how much of it is driven by the fact that people are now their own editors? They're going to choose the outlets, the resources, the content creators that they most like, and that those people are also the most well-placed, whether there is a trust relationship or whether it's just because people really like the content. Uh, to, to become the influencers of tomorrow. Because I think the days of social media influencing as a general term are probably at an end. I think you mentioned the word trust there. That's what it's all about, Gareth. People are going to go to people they trust and respect and believe in. And that's happening more and more in the social media world. And you go back to influencers. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a rise in micro-influencers, small groups of people between 1,000 and, say, 3,000. have a following of 1,300 people or 1,000 people. And people that trust normal people. So I think you'll see a lot of m more micro-influencing going on. And again, brands could take advantage of that. The other thing I would do if I was a, uh, running a brand, the first thing I would relook is my website. Websites need to change. They need to become more consumer-friendly. There's got to be more uh, visual stuff in there and more uh, more talking to the consumer. So I would look very closely at my website they're all starting to look the same. Now's the time to do something because more and more people are referring to websites. Mm -hmm. And if I could just add one more thing to that, voice searches will grow. You know, the use of Siri and the use of Alexa. Now, more and more people are, are becoming tech savvy and they're going to use those voice searches. So develop a way and tactics around voice searches to get them to you. All that kind of stuff. Uh, the world has changed. Timothy, do you think that that the way people trust tells us something about what this pandemic has done, or do you think that that was already a problem beforehand? I mean, is the yeah. pandemic the reason that trust is is changing? Yeah, well, it just sort of elevates the sort of need to need for trust because if you think about our kind of evolutionary background, if if we were in a small community and we all saw a lion we would need to know that this person speaks a similar language, they understand me, they understand that we're going to bond together and protect ourselves from this lion. And so that's the same sort of dynamic that's happening now is that the more sort of stress and uncertainty that's thrust on us, we want to feel a part of a community. And that's an opportunity for brands is to, to get people to, you know, flex their part of driving something valuable. And if people feel like they are joining a community to drive something valuable, that's a way to, which goes back to your question earlier from someone who said, you know, what is a way to sort of sell my product without feeling like I'm forcing it down people? If you, if they feel like they're part of a movement, mm -hmm. that they are part of like-minded people, then you got an opportunity for people to feel like they're not even purchasing, they just join in a movement. And, and that sort of trust dynamic, and if you can communicate and be very transparent in that process of this is what our collective goals are, you will you know, elevate trust and make people feel in, their term, their, in terms of their unconscious instincts, feel like they're part of a community. Well, um, Francois here agreeing with Reg saying uh, micro-influencing within a specific niche is going to be very important. Uh, Michael Lazarus also agreeing with Reg to say that um, user experience 
uh, UI and UC and customer first approach will be the winner. And then there are some people with some questions. Dean uh, wants to say, Tim, uh, he's a big Rory Sutherland and Richard Schatten fan. Do you not think that human behavior is more inclined to return to their normal habits and behaviors as soon as they can post lockdown? I think people are inclined to return to their sort of default behaviors. And I think that's what that's probably what he's referring to is that, you know, our sort of instinctual need doesn't really change our need to signal our need to sort of communicate relevance and value and to feel important. I mean, there are a lot of people right now who are struggling to pay their bills and to provide for their family or, you know, people who are sitting at home going, I promised my partner that I was going to, you know, build this home for us. And now that's been thrown off. So, you know, being able to sort of, you know, communicate and engage people to let them know that I understand your your sort of default sort of instincts for survival are still there. And then I'm going to be a part of that with you. So I do agree that that the, the sort of basic kind of sort of instinctual elements of human behavior are still um, still going to be the same. Well, one last comment, and then we'll get to a question for Reg. Uh, Asanda wants to say, people will have more time on their hands. So whatever marketing ploy you put out there just needs to be simple and honest and make people laugh. I think Asanda has hit the nail on the head here. Reg and Timothy, I'm sure neither of you would disagree that honesty and authenticity are going to be like gold in the future. Yeah. I just want to mention this before we move on. You know, we, you know, Reg mentioned the idea of entertaining people and having fun. If you look back at the sort of 1918 Spanish flu um, and when the, the Great Depression was sort of, you know, we're going into a Great Depression, uh, one of the history's greatest inventions came about because the cafe owner was looking to delight and, and make people feel good. And that was the chocolate chip cookie. The chocolate chip cookie came about because she was like, she looked around. She's like, I got this dough. I got these little chips. Let me offer people a delight. And I think that's a huge, huge opportunity for us to look around and go, how can I delight people with my offering and my process and my service? So then, I mean, Timothy's given me a great intro to your question, Reg, which is, is this the perfect time for innovation? Totally the perfect time for innovation and, and also the perfect time to reward people. So all your top hip-hop artists in America are now wearing Crocs. And Crocs started off as a very uh, basic shoe to wear. So you have to innovate or you have to become cool by aligning yourself to certain markets. Otherwise, you're going to die because the competition is going to increase. All right. So I want to go back to Jamie's question here about value because people are going to have less money to spend on marketing. <laughs> And they're going to be looking for value. So either of you have an idea of how to answer that question. I mean, it's not just uh, Jamie's question. It turns out that Lee is saying, if you have X amount of money right now, which business is best to go into and which one will give you a return on investment soonest? And I mean, from a marketing point of view, obviously. Uh, well, I, I think it's Timothy. Yeah, so. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think you know, I, I Gareth, if you can clarify this question, where, is this question directed to how do you, is value created in the consumer's mind or do you invest in, where do you want to invest? It sounds like almost like an investment question. It is. I think, I think maybe both of these, these people who've asked are looking at where to put their advertising and marketing budgets, but I think it can easily be answered from the other side as well. So let's start with the, the idea that they might be looking to spend some money. Reg, maybe you can start off with that. And Timothy, you can tell us how you create value in the consumer's mind. Sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would get all my online communications 
jacked, to be honest. I would look at all the opportunities uh, online in tech as well. First of all, it's very good value. You mentioned podcasts before. You mentioned um, webinars, all that kind of stuff. And I've seen a lot of financial service companies doing webinars because people are very worried right now about what to do with their money. In fact, the second highest interest category during the lockdown has been anything to do with money. So if you're a bank, uh, get out there and, and, and chat to your consumer. People are worried. They don't, some of their money is disappearing, their value is going down, yeah. uh, and I think they need reassurance. And Timothy, how do you create that value in the consumer's mind? Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways is to think about the, you know, again, I'll go back to Rory, and I, I interviewed Rory for my podcast, and we were talking about the psychological value, like, creating a narrative and by shifting the story and sort of shifting the narrative towards, you know, the, the, the consumers, what I call what Will Leash, who wrote the book marketing to mind states refers to as the various mind states. So by shifting a narrative, you can easily sort of compel people and inspire people to connect with your, your deeper value. And, you know, thinking about a brand from a perspective of, being able to say something as simple as that we have we have transitioned our offering from uh, just uh, to help you just do it to help you do it in your home. But the, the simple psychological shifts is where you really create value right now uh, instead of trying to sort of force a sort of uh, a conscious shift, try to make that shift on a deeper emotive uh, unconscious level. Yeah, Siobhan can't believe that Reg said Crocs is trying to be cool. <laughs> She's horrified. Crocs are trying to be very cool. Frankly, so am I. I'm horrified. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you go to see what some of the top hip-hop guys are wearing now, they're all wearing Crocs in the States. Oh, boy. Okay. They've, they've come up with multicolors and they've come up with new designs, and they are flying. Uh, Tuli wants to say that she's a sign language interpreter and podcasts have opened up a niche opportunity to make content a little more inclusive for the deaf community. Trust and honesty are key. So again, the idea of authenticity, but exploring new markets, uh, which Tuli's raised is an interesting way to go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole story, and, and I think uh, Timothy mentioned it earlier, the common interest community, mm. for example, communicating with people who love horses, right? There's got to be a lot of groups around horses just to get in there. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. Look for those micro-influences in that area. People who are interested in cars or old cars, there's a lot of common interest communities one can get to uh, in a very cost-efficient way. Um, I'm going to ask some of these questions. And, guys, feel free to jump in wherever. And if you've got more information that you want to share with us, um, I think that's why people have come. But uh, but feel free to interrupt at any moment if, if you've got sure. something you want to add. So Alex sure. says, innovation is great, but what about target markets that aren't adept with technology? For example, accessing podcasts over simple FM radio. Now, that's an interesting one, Reg, and you've been watching media for a long time. Alex's question is, I think, very poignant because we're entering a world where there are people who are the early adopters, who get this stuff immediately, who are native to it. I mean, you talked about you know, giving Siri instructions. And for some people, that's already the normal. But for many, it's still radio, television, newspapers. How do you bridge those gaps? Well, you know, just going to the radio, radio is a very powerful medium, but in, it's more of a traveling medium, I guess, or a portable medium. 
but still very, very strong. Mm. There was a, there's a brand, there's a new brand called Pura, which is a cold drink, that during the lockdown used radio really well. What they did is they, they asked people to tell stories about what they were doing in the lockdown. And they were rewarding fun stories uh, and, uh, and any, any other stories that were interesting. And they climbed into radio as a medium. And it seems to apparently have worked for them. Huh. Uh, so, yes, if you, if you want to get to the mass market, I mean, radio goes you know, really deep. And you don't have to just be in one area. I mean, the nice thing about digital is that you can then take the content you create digitally and you can put it on to traditional media, right? Correct. Of course you can, yeah. You can, uh, you can put it whatever you like onto traditional media because you still have to build your brand across all LSMs. So, Carol, just to continue our croc discussion, because that's not going to go anytime <laughs> soon, Carol says that Post Malone is wearing crocs. Um, not that I'd, Correct. I... Correct. I wouldn't want to wear anything Post Malone is wearing. I think you probably get COVID just from being in the vicinity of Post Malone. Um, but think about this, Gareth. This is a simple psychological shift. I mean, it costs yeah. very little to make that simple shift. I mean, yeah. by being, by creating that sort of in linking it with really cool people. I mean, it's amazing how people will, will, will shift their thinking. Mm. Yeah. Um, Francois says, Gary Vaynerchuk reckons a brand can't post regularly enough on social media and should post as often as possible. Do you think that there is a risk of over-communicating with your audience? Uh, I don't think you can ever over-communicate, but you can change your strategy from time to time. You can change your tech. And that's where, of course, the great word creativity comes into play because the one constant in all this is creativity. Creativity will still be king. How you do it, what the idea is, and how you communicate uh, what you want to communicate. So you change your angle, coming from a different angle. Yeah, Timothy, yeah. what do you think of that? I mean, it's interesting because you've got two extremes. You can, there can be fatigue if you don't, like Reg is saying, if you don't become really creative, there will fatigue will grow in the brain. And I think what's important is that you sort of understand the sort of schedule of the day and you go, okay, these are kind of the, the heightened periods where people are on. And if I can be creative throughout, throughout those periods, you're reaching different audiences on the same platform. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. The more creative you are, you can, if you can keep posting creative content, I think it's a win. Mm. And obviously, creativity is key. This is what Cindy says, because if you just flog the same thing over and over again, fatigue is going to set in. So that goes to Reg's point about changing your strategy. Um, here's another crux comment, Reg. There's, there seems to be a, a consistent theme going on here. Sebastian saying, yeah. I've been wearing my crocs a lot since lockdown. I think a lot of people right. are wearing very comfortable things during lockdown. My crocs are black because I like heavy metal. So hip-hop rap heavy metal it seems that trucks are starting to spread now what do you think there you go. what do you think both of you about the fact that people's people's idea of of what the outside world will be like after this is probably still in limbo there are lots of people who are not sure what it's going to be like there might even be a bit of stockholm syndrome sitting in where people actually want to be in lockdown for longer than they need to be and despite level three coming at us on monday there are probably going to be a lot of people who try to find ways to hold on to this new normal and might not return to the office. They might not return to shopping malls for some time, certainly not planes and, and trains and, and ships. Yeah, I think people are still scared, to be honest, and especially if you're in the older category like myself. Um, 
We're still nervous. Uh, so I don't think everybody's going to rush back. Oh, come on, Reg. You've never been nervous in your <laughs> life. <laughs> I am of COVID-19. <laughs> All right. But I'll wear, my, I'll wear my Crocs and I'll step out this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Timothy, you, you're, you're the guy who's watching people's behavior. I mean, what's going on in people's heads in terms of getting back and going out there and resuming old habits? I mean, it seems to me that exactly what Reg is saying is if you look at the demographic, look at who you're trying to communicate to, there will be people who will be a bit more adventurous, who feel like they have very little risk. They can rebound quite quickly to this. Their immune systems are strong. So you just got to know who you're going to you know, mark to. I know there are a lot of people who are, can't wait to book a flight. So you got to know your, your segment of the market and, and, and be prepared because the people who feel sort of risk averse, they will, um, they will be sort of locked down for longer. Okay, so now we got some very specific questions starting to come in. Um, Asanda again says, what do you guys think the banks will be focusing their marketing strategies on? And I know there are some people from some of the banks joining us today. Um, so welcome to you if you're from one of the big banks. I know there are a few of you here. Um, who do you align yourself with if you're a bank right now? And especially over the next three to six months, how do you com communicate effectively with people? Well, I think the consumer experience, going back to the consumer experience, that's what's important. Get closer to your clients. Be a little more personal. Speak to them more. That's what I would be doing. Um, you know, they're, they're banks and they're banks. I think um, some of the newer banks like Time Bank, which is an online bank, is try trying to do more stuff online. But I think as a regular retail bank, get closer to your clients. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I would say communicate to people who, if you're going to leverage micro-influence or nano-influences, people who demonstrate sort of family values, anything around safety, trust, things that show, again, that show community and people who, who, who are trying to entertain. Some of these fundamental values, and I can't stress this enough, you know, these, the need to feel safe, to feel in control, a sense of release, a sense of positivity, any brand and people that communicate this are going to be a big win in this moment. And yeah. I think people are very worried. Sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead. very worried about about their money. What's going to happen to their money? So they need a lot of reassurance. Yeah. a lot of reassurance right now. Tamba wants to know what's the new normal for public relations. I mean, public relations firms have had a tough time over the last couple of years because they've always had struggles trying to get budget out of out of the clients, and then trying to communicate that without making it paid for is always the trick. How do you make public relations matter in a world after a pandemic? That's a good question. Yeah. How do you make public? <laughs> Over to you, Timothy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at the architects. Let's look at the architects of, you know, PR and, you know, look at Edward Bernays and his sort of cohorts. What were they trying to do um, when they launched the sort of PR industry? They were trying to relate with people's deeper consuming instinct, their deeper unconscious minds. And right now, I think PR, the PR division should be saying to their teams and to the CEOs and the CMOs, they should be saying that we have an opportunity to relate to people's deeper concerns. And if you increase the sort of budget around that kind of relating to people's deeper kind of needs right now, then you may have a better chance of getting your kind of proposals uh, and your you know budgets actually increased. Yeah, and I think I think it goes back to innovation again because 
The difference between PR and advertising, advertising you can repeat the message, PR you can't. So you've got to make it very interesting. I think if you have interesting stories to tell, people will always read those and appreciate those. So I think in creating a PR story or PR event, make it interesting and relevant. Well, here's an interesting point from Hillary. It's not Hillary Clinton. It's Hillary Schroeder. She said, I'm in the investment industry and the new paradigm for investing is fear-based. That is our challenge ahead. Fear. Fear is a very important factor here, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why, they, that's why the clients need reassurance. They, they want you to hold their hand, Hillary. And, but don't wear your Crocs, but hold their hand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they are. People are scared of their, their, what's happening to their money. So I'm going to ask a question that's uh, more about self-interest than anything else. We started podcasting six years ago in South Africa on a scale like this, and we've become the biggest podcast business in Africa. But a lot of people are only starting to discover podcasts now, and maybe that's because they've had a bit of time during lockdown. It seems to me that this represents a, a unique opportunity, and I'm not going to sell it. But, Reg, have you got any research that shows how podcasts are doing? Yeah, podcasts have gone up dramatically, Gareth. Someone said to me, over the, and this is over a longer period of time, over the last 18 months, they've quadrupled. I mean, if you go on to, um, uh, what's the, the download, the music download thing Spotify. called? Um, Spotify. If you go on Spotify, you'll see how many podcasts are on Spotify now that you can download. And a lot of them are very interesting. People would love to know where Jim came from, etc. So, But your podcast has got to be created in a way, that, again, that it's interesting and it's not just all about your brand. Yeah. It might be your brand might be included, but make it interesting. People want to hear stories. Life is all about stories. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Francois is saying this webinar is not proudly brought to you by Crocs. It is not. <laughs> We're not doing them any more airtime. But I will say that um, it's interesting to see in the world of podcasting. I see even Amazon with their Audible platform, which they own, are going into, into podcasts. Joe Rogan just landed a $100 million deal with Spotify. So there's definitely some movement there. And uh, now, as it stands, Amazon, Google, um, Spotify, and Facebook are all launching podcast platforms of their own. So there's going to be some interesting stuff happening there, I'm sure. What about, what about good old, like, clever advertising, Reg? The kind of stuff that really, you know, is in your blood and something that you started doing early on. There's always going to be a place for that. And, and funny and clever, funny and clever are, are hard to come by, but when you hit the sweet spot, it really does all the magic, right? Absolutely. I think great advertising will always be relevant and great advertising will always work. If advertising tells a story that's either emotive, that's uh, interesting or funny, advertising will communicate with its audience and the brand will benefit. I think the biggest challenge advertisers are going to have is how do you, how do you get onto the streaming services? Because a lot of the streaming services uh, don't have advertising or they're avoiding advertising or something because more and more they'll, the visual side of life will be your streaming services. Um, so it's a big challenge for the advertising industry. Uh, I want to, I wanted to say that, you know, in terms of advertising, marketing, there is a great opportunity and I'm going to go back and I know I'm stressing this concept called priming. Um, but one of my favorite studies showed that, you know, inside of the workplace, uh, they wanted to see they wanted to see who, between two different teams 
who could raise the most money in charity. So they gave them the exact same script. And the only difference was on one of the scripts, on a black and white paper, there was a watermark that you could barely see. Um, and that watermark had a woman breaking through and winning a race. And um, so they what they did was they, they looked at the end of a month to see who had raised the most. And it was clearly... The the group of people who had the watermark were the woman breaking through. But what was interesting is none of them remember seeing the watermark. And this is an important dynamic when you sharing images in your marketing. Right now, people want to feel like they want to feel better. They want to feel like they're winning and be thinking about the images you use and how they represent people's deeper desires to feel better about themselves, to feel safe and to feel like they're being released from stress. Now, there's there's an element to this, um, and Reg, go ahead if you want to answer that, and then I've got another question. No, 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 it's fine. So there's an element to this, which I think is quite interesting, because a lot of people have um, have been suspicious of lockdowns. They haven't necessarily said it's the best strategy. Uh, a lot of people are very suspicious of government at the moment. They're not buying all this stay safe, stay home stuff. Um, and many people are also starting to embrace explanations which don't fall into the mainstream, you know, conspiracy theories and all kinds of other things. They're also looking for people to blame. And they're looking to find out who these experts are who've misled the world about the, the, the long ranging impact of COVID. They're looking at governments who've enforced extremely long and arduous lockdowns. People are going to be angry after this. Is there room for honest marketing that can take advantage of that and turn it into something positive? No question. I think we, because of all the fake news that's been around and because of all the stuff that's been going around and people's anger growing, the more honest you are, uh, the better. If you are very honest with your consumer and sometimes admit your faults, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to develop a relationship. And it's all about developing a relationship, especially now where people are looking for friends or whatever. Right. And they haven't seen their friends for a while. Yeah. Timothy, what do you want to yeah. add? No, I agree. I mean, I think that communicating that you are an independent thinker, that you are sort of bold and that, you know, you're part of a community of people who think for themselves is a great opportunity because people, well, all of us have access to the same Google. <laughs> and so we're all kind of Googling this stuff and we're seeing that there are some holes in the kind of global narrative and that if you can demonstrate and show that you're part of a thinking kind of community of people, you may get people going, you know, I want to be a part of that. Well, here's a, a question. I don't know. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Rick. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if anybody watched the governor of New York, uh, Como, during this whole COVID-19 thing, how good he was at presenting himself and how human he was. And how many people trusted him? He, I mean, he was much better than Trump, but then anybody's better than Trump. Uh, but he, he came across so well. Now, Greg Lister says, Timothy made a great point at the beginning about being overwhelmed by algorithms. The challenge here is that there are lots of algorithms hooking us in, which obviously recreate the challenge of TMI, too much information. So how do we help people navigate that? And And does big tech have a have a role that isn't all good and pure and decent. I mean, big tech is not interested in um, altruism at all. They're interested in keeping you on their platform. So they need, they need an algorithm that's going to make you stick like glue. And, you know, if, if, if big tech can come out and be a bit more honest, uh, I think, I think they may find people more attracted to their platforms, but 
you know, there's not much incentive from a marketing perspective, to be honest, because, you know, they want people on there. I mean, I would say to people that what I try to do, I've developed a few hacks. Let me give you an example. If I go to Netflix and I click on one or two black comedians, they only start showing me black comedians. I'm like, guys, your algorithm can't be so, so, so limited. Um, and so what I do sometimes, if I want to, you know, a diverse uh, group of, you know, uh, inputs, then I will click on, I will click on various types for like a minute just so I can hack the algorithm. I do the same thing on LinkedIn at times. I click on just all types of people so that the alg I can trick the algorithm. And I would say to people that if you, if you want diverse inputs, then you almost have to hack your way through this and you can't expect it or what you will get stuck in the echo chamber. Yeah, it's, it's a very tempting thing for a lot of people. And because of these, you know, Facebooks and, and Googles, they're sending you stuff that keeps you in your own feedback loop. So you have yeah. to make mm. to break out of that. There's a lovely story about a predictive algorithm uh, that was sent out to a woman. And they said, congratulations on being pregnant. And uh, she, she, they obviously watched her shopping patterns. Mm -hmm. And she said, she wrote back, said, I'm not pregnant. And they apologize. And the next day or two days later, she found out she was pregnant. Wow. So this predictive stuff is working very, very well. Sure. Yeah, that's quite something. Um, so here's the, here's the meta question, because we're in a webinar right now. Um, what is the purpose of webinars? Are they just are they just fulfilling a gap right now where people can't actually gather in auditoria to hear conversations? You know, we've had in South Africa this plethora of big events where we get big speakers from all over the world, people who are as, as well-versed in their material as Reg and Timothy are. How do we make webinars break through the noise and the clutter, and, and how do we make them count? Okay, let me respond to that. <laughs> You know, first of all, on one side, there's a lot of fatigue around generic webinars. I mean, one of the reasons why I agreed for this one, because there was it was a targeted conversation uh, to a specific community. And I think you're going to need to be far more focused and direct on what the value is, because anything that's just too broad, um, people are just going to just kind of toss it out as just somebody is bored and they just create another conversation. You need to be clear about the value. And there's opportunity to partner with brands. So brands can be, you know, um, Coca-Cola brings you the Cliff Central webinar where we speak about the growth of podcasts and the opportunity of that space. So the opportunity to collaborate with brands and webinars that speak to a specific sort of niche conversation is going to grow. Yeah. And as Reg said earlier, not always product specific either, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we've got 10 minutes, guys. So if you've got any questions, I mean, I've been trying to bring them up through the course of the conversation, but if you've got anything you want to particularly address to Reg or to Timothy, we've got 10 minutes and then we're going to wrap this up. I did promise you we'd do a, a nice solid hour and I don't want to go too much beyond that. Sam says, going virtual, you still need to create an experience, right? Because the events industry, as we know, it is dead at the moment. It may resuscitate. In fact, I'm sure it will because <laughs> tactile stuff. But how can we make a virtual event feel like you're there, like it's experiential? Well, maybe, um, I mean, experiences, especially shopper experiences, will be very important in the future because as people shop more online, the only way you're going to get them in store is to have events and have experiences. 
So I think the, the events industry and the experience industry have got a, gr- a lot, lot of work to do there. Um, so I, I think they'll grow, they'll get busier, um, because if you're shopping online and someone's got to draw you into the shopping center or whatever. So if it's a concert in the shopping center, if it's an event in the shopping center, that's how you're going to get people into shopping centers. <laughs> so I, I, they're going to be busy. I, I, would like to, I would like to propose a strategy and this is inspired by a friend of mine in the UK who who had a birthday, an all-day birthday event. And what she did was she scheduled throughout the day. So there was a 11 a.m. toast. There was a cook-off at around 1 p.m. And we had pasta. And so we all cooked pasta. And then we put our photos onto the screen. And then she gave away an iTunes voucher. Um, and then at night we played 30 seconds. And so the brain, the, the brain, and it's one of the most phenomenal experiences I've been a part of. And what I realized when I, you know, sort of look back in retrospective was that what she was doing is leveraging the brain's need to anticipate. The brain is an anticipation machine. So it wants to know what's next. So if you can help people sort of, you know, and trigger people's desire to want to be a part of something that's next, where they can actually say to their friends, at 12 o'clock today, this is what's going to happen, and then log back on at this time. Um, you are tapping into something that's fundamental about the brain, is wanting to be a part of something that you know that's going to be ongoing and enriching. Yeah, that's a- yeah the very very similar thing here. You know, I live in a village called Franschuk, which is a tourist village. And uh, everybody was very worried about one of our festivals, the Bastille Festival, was canceled. And someone came up with a great idea of having a Tour de Franschuk tied up to the Tour de France and having events going around Franschuk and you go from place to place and getting people to follow the Tour de Franschuk. So there are a lot of things you can do online. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right. Monica says uh, webinars need to be specific and brand collaborations are a good idea. So agreeing with both of you there. Um, thank you, Reg and Tim from Morgan. And then a question. So, Reg, uh, let's start with this one for you. Um, how will big retail advertising change? How will those needs be communicated? Um, as I said, I think if you're a, a retailer, a physical retailer, you're going to have to create more consumer experiences. Uh, You're going to have to get people into your stores by offering other events or other things that will appeal to them. Almost a day, you know, it's it's more of a fun event. You've got to have to do more fun things. That's how I think it will change because otherwise, uh, you know, you might shop online and just get it delivered to your home. A question for Tim. In a country as culturally and economically diverse as South Africa, what hacks would you use to get a broad base of customers? First of all is understand what is the deeper desire for that particular community? Like, I, I really think, for example, Black Twitter is completely misunderstood. If you think about the sort of sheer force of what Black Twitter does, is that people want to rally together to tackle some sort of social justice issue, for example. So what it does, what, what that community does is create this kind of, you know, sort of multiplier effect within itself where people feel like I'm building onto something and that can be, you know, good or bad. But the point is that it's going to be extremely, extremely important, um, you know, to be able to demonstrate at a very, very high level, the ability to understand community and understand the mindsets of the community uh, where they feel like they're rewarded and not underestimated. Karina wants to know if there's going to be a recording of this uh, webinar available. Yes, it will be. It will be available in video and in a podcast. 
And that's actually one of the things that we're looking to do to make our webinars slightly different at Cliff Central is that we're going to make them available as short podcast clips. So, for example, there's one question that Reg answered or one that Tim answered that is particularly valid to a certain industry. We're going to separate that out into little podlets. And we'll also record the whole thing and make it available on YouTube afterwards. So there'll be video and audio that you can then easily download and pass on to other people in the business. Um, so, Karina, yes, the, the short answer is absolutely that will be available. Bradley says, I think retail is going to battle. Maybe they should incentivize foot traffic through virtual platforms. What about a 10% discount code that can only be used in store? It might make consumers a little annoyed. What do you think of that? I think that's great ideas because it goes back to creating value for people again. Come to my store. I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you with something, whether it's monetary or it's an event or whatever. Good idea. Yeah, and then communicate that when you get there, we have protocols in place to ensure that your shopping experience is not only safe, but it's going to be fun and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's right, Timothy. Well, uh, there are lots of others here. Uh, people saying thank you very much. Michael, Gerald, uh, Kirsty. Um, this has all been extremely interesting. We're all learning now, especially in the communications industry. And ain't that true? I mean, things have never been like this before. So <laughs> new territory. Uh, you cannot say that you're bored. Like, uh, you know, 2019 was, was, was good on many fronts, but it, it was certainly not as exciting and as different as 2020, as much as there's pain that goes with that. Um, so just quickly, ideas around the service industry and how we can gain the trust of the public. That's from Cherise. Anybody want to have a go at that? Quickly? Yeah, I do. I do. This is something I'm really passionate about. So if you can, if you can deliver and manage expectations of the consumer and you can deliver early and manage the mindset and the emotional state of the consumer, because there's so much uncertainty, there's so much, you know, just sort of overwhelming stress. If when you're serving your consumer, if you, if you let them know where you are in the process, think about the psychology, the psychology of Uber and ride sharing services. The big win of them is that you, they remove all the uncertainty. You know yeah. where the car is or you think you know where it is at least. And, and so if you can see yourself as almost the Uber or service delivery and let them know where they are, like even if you're running behind, let them know that this is where I am in the process and this is what you can expect. That's how you're going to win as a, in the service industry. Well, um, Red, I, I, yes, go ahead. Sorry, so I was going to say as well, I think you have to have – Happy staff, because the worst, the worst thing is coming across someone who's, you know, begrudgingly talking to you. I mean, that's just the most terrible thing. So, I think if your staff are happy and motivated, and they realise that service isn't servitude, yeah, uh, and that's that's what that's what keep, keeps them in business and what keeps you in business and gives them a salary, then I think service is very, very important. Very important. Well, thank you both for joining us. I know that um, both of your time is very precious, so I'm very grateful that we could share this webinar with uh, all the people who've, who've joined us online. And this whole discussion will be available on cliffcentral.com, both as a podcast and video. And if you'd like us to host a webinar in your industry, or if you'd like some strategic consultation with any of the people here, Timothy and Reg, you can email me, gareth at cliffcentral.com. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.